Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. How can I not get a woe from God? Here's a no woe from God. Vera, a no woe. Become a Christ follower. That's the key. The key to heaven. It's the only way to heaven. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And then tell others about the key. If I want somebody to ride him a Camry, give him the right key for crying out loud. Do it right. That's what Jesus is saying to these people. Woe to you. How do you avoid the woe statements of Jesus that often bring wrath and sorrow? Today, Pastor Mark will teach listeners the most important key to life. The greatest decision you will ever make is your decision about who Jesus is. If you choose to follow him, there will be no woes for you. We should also have a passionate desire to help others discover this key to life. We must first make sure we found the truth of the gospel and then we might be equipped to share it with others. Have you placed your faith in Christ today? And if so, what are you doing to share his name with others? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, The Threat to the Church from the Inside. You know, most Christians today are greatly concerned with the external forces that come against the church. Islam, communism, humanism, secularism. And I think that's very true. What we discover is that often we are unaware of the danger that is around us. I want to alert you to an external force today that has, over time, come into our country. Jesus is going to say something very different today. Jesus is going to say the greatest threat to the church is not from the outside. The greatest threat to the church is from the inside from ungodly spiritual leaders in the church, pastors, elders, leaders, and parents. I've asked you to turn to Hebrews 13, Vieira, Hebrews 13, verse 17. Let's look at it. Before I read this verse, I want you here in Melbourne and Vieira to look at me. All through the Bible... God honors real, genuine, spiritual leaders who rightly represent him to the people. Well, look at this challenge 
from the writer of Hebrews, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For if it is a burden, in other words, if you disobey, that would be of no advantage to you. You see, God's goal through the Bible was to establish leaders, spiritual leaders to set the example, so that the people who were created to be followers would imitate their godly lifestyle and thus fear and respect God. From this verse, we understand that the spiritual maturity of the local church is partly due to the leadership that is in place in that church. And because spiritual leaders in the local church are going to have to answer to God for how they represent Him, well, that brings great responsibility on myself, the pastors and the elders of this fellowship. Now notice, if the people are committed Christian followers, Christ followers, if they're committed, well, it's an advantage to the spiritual leaders and advantage to the people because they're growing. So as we share here in Melbourne and in Vieira, and as God opens up other places for us to do that, as we share truth with you and you grow and you mature, well, it's, it's good for us because we understand that you're getting it. That's encouraging to us. Secondly, it's good for you, because you're growing, you're becoming more like him. But notice the opposite. If people in a church refuse to grow spiritually and remain immature, then for the leaders that are leading, it's a very difficult thing, because there isn't much happening spiritually in the lives of people. So it's hard for the leadership, but more importantly, the immature believers will suffer a loss of reward. When they stand before God. You see, as we think of leadership today, understand that God made leaders. We'll talk about that. And he made leaders to lead as God directs them to lead. Our rule book is this, the Bible. Now, some of you may think, well, are leaders special? No, they're just leaders. They have a gift of leadership. We're all equal in God's sight. We just have different roles. Everyone is equal in His sight. He died for all of us. And some of you may wonder, if you have the gift of leadership, it's not difficult to understand if you have the gift of leadership. If you have the gift of leadership, look behind you. If there's people following, you have the gift of leadership. If you have the gift of leadership and you're talking, you're teaching, whatever and you look behind you and there's nobody with you, then you're simply taking a walk. (laughs) And that's okay. If we started this church 15 years ago, and we were into it for three years, and as I taught, there's only my wife and me in the church, I probably don't have the gift of leadership. How important is it for us to understand that leadership is biblically based. It's crucial. Turn with me now to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. We start in verse 13. And in this 
passage, the issue is not the people. The issue are the religious leaders who themselves were not followers of God. You see, the image of the church is tainted in America. The latest Barna survey says this. The majority of non-Christians in their late teens and 20s, in other words, the next generation coming, the majority of these teens and, and those in the 20s say that Christianity is judgmental, hypocritical, old-fashioned, and I think this one's interesting, too involved in politics. You see, these same people basically said this, when they look at Christianity, it doesn't look like Jesus. Well, how can that be? I mean, we're supposed to be Christ followers. I want you to write a statement down and maybe even use it this week as a, a devotional for you in Vieira and here. Those of you watching by the internet, write this statement down. As spiritual leadership goes, so goes the home, the church, the nation, and the world. Now you might say, well, Pastor Mark, what is this passage in Matthew 23 going to be about? Well, it's, it's about the false teachers of Israel who claimed to speak for God but didn't. First role of leadership is in the home. Do you know today the latest statistics are somewhere like this. In the black community, 70% of children are born into a home with no male influence. But it's not only the black community. The homes throughout our world are missing the male leader, the husband, the father. By and large, we're missing them. From that comes a void of leadership. Now, those of you that are single parents, God will help you. But see, we're missing it. Not only is that from the external happened to us, but now we see California saying, it's okay to have two men. It's okay to have two women. It's okay not to have anybody. Kids can just kind of be raised by whoever. That is not what God wanted. And as you think about that statement, as spiritual leadership goes, so goes the home. And the home is the foundation of the church. And the church is supposed to be the foundation of the world and the nation. So as you can see what's happening to our world. So Jesus today, we're going to give you four of them. How many of you used this term last week? How many of you said, whoa, last week? I mean, we don't ride horses, so it's like, whoa. We don't use that term. But it's a term Jesus uses eight times in this passage. Here's the definition. Write it down this morning. Whoa. It's a word that includes wrath, but also has a, a side of it that includes Sorrow. So when Jesus looks at these spiritual leaders, he has righteous anger, but it comes from a heart of love for these stubborn and blind Jewish leaders. The application that we'll look at, certainly for pastors and elders, home group leaders, but obviously for every Christian and certainly for every parent. You see, we are people of influence, and so God's going to speak to us. We can't be afraid to confront 
things in our lives that need to be changed. If we will do that, God will help us to be people of great influence. We begin in verse 13. Woe to you, notice who he's writing to, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. You see, Jesus says to the spiritual leaders, you're to make God known. Understand this, in the Jewish religion, it was very attractive to the pagan world. Why? Because the pagan world had many, 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 many gods. The Judaizers, the Judaists, the the Jewish people said, here, we have one God. That was attractive. So Jesus says, woe to you leaders. You have the key, one God. And in fact, before you, you have the real key. Jesus, the Messiah, that allows man and woman to get to God. He says to him, but you ignore the key. You don't have the key. And in fact, because you give the wrong key out, they were trying to bring people to them, to their way of living. He said, because that, you're not going to enter heaven, and you're blocking these people to do that. Let me give you an example. Today, you go out to your car in the parking lot here, and you brought the Camry, and you left your other car at home. Well, you go out there, and you search, and you got your keys, but you have the key to your other car at home. Well, you go to your car. Your wife left that one for you. Uh, We won't go there. (laughs) And you don't have the set of keys for that car. So you stand there and put it in the door. How many think you're going to get in it? You have a key, but it's the what? Tell me, it's the wrong key. So are you going to get in it? No. So you have some friends come by, and they go, wow, look at that camera. That's a new baby, isn't it? Wow, really good, really nice. You say, hey, you can drive it anytime you want, man. Anything You want to just try it out? Good. And they said, yeah, we'd like to do that. He says, well, we're going down to Ace Hardware. Can I ride in your car? Yes, you go down to Ace Hardware. He takes that key and makes a duplicate for the friend. Are you still with me, or did, you, did I lose you? He makes a duplicate of which kind of key? The wrong key. So he comes back and he goes, hey, the the key won't work. That's exactly what the Jewish leaders were doing. They said, come and find God through rules and regulations and being right with God. You can be good enough. It was the wrong key. And every convert they made to Judaism, they gave them the wrong key key. The key today is Jesus Christ. There is no other key. That's the only key. That's the only way to get to God. Now, when you think about that, the Bible even says it like this, Hebrew, uh, Luke 11, what sorrow awaits you experts in religious law for you remove the key to knowledge from the people. Well, because of that, you don't enter the kingdom yourselves and you prevent others from entering it. Is there any woes today in the United States that behind the pulpits in our churches are any pastors and priests giving out the wrong key? If Jesus looked at our churches today, would he go, whoa, He would. 
Let me give you some of them. This morning in the United States, and of course around the world as well, there will be men and women standing behind this pulpit who will say this, the Bible is not inspired. Jesus was not born of a virgin. Jesus sinned while he was on earth. All roads lead to heaven. At death, everyone goes to heaven. There is no absolute truth. Well, those are all lies. They're all wrong keys. But understand this. You walk into a church. You're searching for truth. You've tried life. It doesn't work right. You've heard about a church. You walk in. The clergy person in that church takes the Bible, turns to a passage and reads it. You go, wow, this is good. Then he says this. You can trust this part, but these verses don't apply. And in fact, much of this is just nice words. There's no truth in much of the Bible. But we'll get some relevance out of some things today. Well, wait a minute. You have no background. You don't have any theological school. You don't even know anything about the Bible. And so you say, okay, this person stands here, robe, no robe, doesn't matter, educated, theology, study of God, degrees, doctor, whatever, so-and-so, pastor, whatever, so-and-so, he must be right. I guess this isn't really truth. You're a young parent. You go home. You brought your kids to Sunday school that day. They heard the same thing in their little class all the way to a teenager. So at home, when your teenager says, should we read anything in the Bible? My teacher in the class said it really isn't all true. And you say, well, that's exactly right. It isn't all true. We just have to be good moral people. Do you see how it infects us? And that's exactly what's happening in the church today. Jesus would say to many of our churches in the United States, whoa, you're handing out a key that cannot get people to spend eternity with me. Because of that, woe to you. Now, I'm not a guy that's very negative. I'm a very positive guy. So today, I'm not going to give you eight Woes. I'm going to give you four. But they're going to be no woes. Say it with me. No woes. Say it fast three times. No woes, no woes, no woes. As I came in this morning in the parking lot, somebody's here last night and he says, no woe. I went, yeah, you got it. So here's the first. Say it with me. No woes. Here's the first. This is a positive way. How can I not get a woe from God? Here's a no woe from God. Vera, a no woe. Become a Christ follower, that's the key, the key to heaven. It's the only way to heaven. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And then tell others about the key. If I want somebody to ride him a Camry, give him the right key for crying out loud. Do it right. That's what Jesus is saying to these people. Woe to you. Let me share this with you. You can't witness to a Jewish person by using John 3.16. Number one, they don't believe in the New Testament. Number two, they don't believe in Jesus. So you have to witness to a Jew from their background. Their background is the Old Testament. And all through the Old Testament, we can prove over and over and over again 
the prophecies about the coming Messiah and who God is. And he can be known. The key is always Jesus. We meet today because of Jesus. Don't ever dilute Jesus. He's the central place of our lives. Well, verse 14, and I put it on the overhead. Some of you don't, in your translations, don't have it. But that same verse is found, maybe not in some of the early manuscripts of Matthew, but it's definitely found in Mark 12 and Luke 20. Here it is. The second woe. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Again, the spiritual leaders. Hypocrites. For you devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. You see, what happened in those days was kind of a tradition like this. Watch me. In those days, husband and wife, he's getting ready to make his plans to die. And he would use the rabbi in the temple as part of the deal. And the rabbi said, I'll take care of your wife, a widow, when you die. That was the deal that was taken care of. Well, these oppressed widows, when it came time her husband died, well, the, the priests did take care of the widows. The problem was they would charge for this. So really what they were doing was they were lining their pockets as they took care of the widow. They were making big bucks off the widow. The widow didn't know it. They were making big bucks. But to offset their stealing, notice Jesus says you make long public prayers. So they would go out in public and pray for Widow Jones. Long, flowery prayer. Really concerned for her while they stuffed their pockets because of greed. We see the people didn't know it. The widow didn't know it. Aha. Jesus knew it. You see, there's nothing hidden from God. So Jesus says, wait a minute. You're supposed to be kind, compassionate leaders. But you're ripping off the people? What's up with that? Let me ask you this morning. Would Jesus say woe to some of the Christian television marketing gimmicks that we see? He'd say woe, and I, I, I wish he'd pull the plug. Let me share with you a couple things you need to be wise about. If you watch a Christian television program and half of the program is about getting you to give, be careful. If there's 15 minutes of preaching and 15 minutes, how you can sign your house over when you die, how you can give to them, how they need this, be very careful. If you watch a Christian television station and it sounds to you like a marketing program, like an infomercial Turn it off. As spiritual leadership goes, so goes the home, the church, the nation, and the world. Today, Pastor Mark challenged not those in leadership, but all Christians to understand the responsibility God has placed on their lives. We must encourage people by the way we live to place their faith in Jesus. In your family, in your workplace today, Are your actions promoting Jesus or turning people away from Him? Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Why does Jesus associate the word woe with certain people in the New Testament? Such a word includes wrath and sorrow. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will take a look at this and give listeners several no woes to follow as a guideline for life. It all starts with accepting Jesus as your personal Savior and from that point, telling others about Him, living a life of truth and being a person of godly character. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurry